Well, welcome everyone, and welcome for those of you who are watching outside and those of you who are watching at home. If this is your first time, my name is Dave Fukuyama, and I'm the uh, senior pastor here. And what we've, you know, last week we kicked off our um, sermon series on our vision and core values. And you're saying, well, why do we do that? Well, number one, we uh, we do that just. Uh, to let all of you know, hey, this is who we are as a church. These are our values. These are our guardrails along this journey that we're taking. And, and this is how we want to act. Now, are we perfect in accomplishing that? Of course not. But we want all of you to be on the same page, and we want all of you to understand what we mean when we um, talk about our vision statement and core values. Because if, we, if I communicate that to you, or if somebody asks you what that means, or what are core values, we could have a hundred different definitions of what that means. And each person here could be living out the core values in the way that they define it. But what we realize that, praise God, God has bringing new people here, and we all want to be on the same page. We all want the staff and the leadership, want all of you to understand, this is what we mean. This is the behaviors that we want to see. These are the actions we want to see exhibited here at Mission Valley, even though we're not perfect, but this is something that we, as a community, are striving to uh, become. You know, last week, you know, we talked about love, what it means to be loving, because that's a part of our uh, vision statement. And a lot of times we use the word love and it just rolls off our tongue. But I hope as you listen to what we had, uh, had to say and you take a look at what the, how the Bible defines love, it's not easy. It's very difficult for us to live according to the biblical definition of love. You know, and it's hard enough to do it with people that we like. But what does Jesus tell us to do? That we are to do it to show love to who? Our enemies, to those who persecute you. And it makes it even harder. And even though we were supposed to show it in church, in this community where we're all different. And yes, there are times when we get on each other's nerves. But what? We are still supposed to be loving, which is very, very Difficult. So I hope you were able to really think about that um, this past week. And today we're going to talk about community. And I think community is something that's whether or not we want to be a part of, our, we are hardwired for community. Why? Because we were made in God's image, and we know that God himself lives in community with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in perfect community with one another. And, and so some of us will say, well, you know what, I don't need others. But you know, it's hardwired into each one of us that we need community, right? And if you take a look at the most popular TV shows, you know, the sitcoms, they're all centered around community. Because if you look at this one, for me, it's, it, we all started talking about community when, what? Cheers came out. And cheers, what was the tagline? We all want to go to a place where everyone, what? Knows your name, right? Because we want to be known. So every time Norm would come into the bar, everyone would go, Norm, right? Everybody knew him. But that's when we started thinking about it. You know what? Yeah, I want to belong to a place where everybody knows my name. Well, I'm not invisible. 
where I'm known in a community. And then we see the next one, you know, we see um, Seinfeld. That was another popular sitcom where you just, it centered around this community of four, you know, individuals living just their lives. And really what was the, um, when, you know, George, when Jerry and George were trying to pitch this sitcom, it was a sitcom about what? Nothing. Right? It was just, oh, let's just do, oh, I get up and we go have coffee. Ah, that could be a sitcom. Right? But basically what it does is it it was a sitcom about these four who lived their daily lives and they just got themselves into precarious, you know, situations. Right? But when you think about all of the sitcoms, and there have been many more that centered around community, it was all about a group of individuals who lived and journeyed uh, through life together. But what was the draw? And I was thinking about it. The draw was the actual people that were involved in these sitcoms, right? Because if you take a look at all of the sitcoms, they, they pretty much have a lot of different things in common. They have people who are pretty and beautiful. They have people who are quirky. And they have people with baggage, right? And, but what happens is they all come together and they live together in community. And I think we, that's something that we desperately want, right? Because deep down inside, we know ourselves better than the other people. We know our quirks. We might be pretty good at hiding them. We all have baggage. And once again, we might be pretty good at hiding them. But we want to be in a place where our quirkiness and our baggage where we're fully accepted as part of that community, right? You know, don't we all want that? We want to be loved. We want to be a part of community despite the stuff that we are carrying. And, and you know, that even happens in Korean dramas, you know? I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not a Korean drama guy, okay? But, you know, my sister was here a couple of weeks ago, and one afternoon, she's watching this show called The Extraordinary Attorney Woo, right? And so I'm just wa- yeah, watching that one afternoon, right? I go, what is this? And I wanted to watch a show, but she's the guest, so we only have one TV, so I had to watch it, right? I go, oh, this is interesting, so I watched one. And then I watched the next one and go, ah. <laughs> then 5 o'clock in the morning, I finished all 16, you know. And I, I was dead. But it hooked me. But what was that show about? Even then, it was about com- this community of lawyers who live life together. They all had their own baggage. They all had their own idiosyncrasies. But they lived life in community. They stuck up for one another. They loved and cared for one another. They fought with one another, right? But they were still community. And when I was looking at all of this, I go, hey, this is a church, Right? This is the church. But the church is the last place a lot of times we want to see this community happen. Why? Because when we go to church Sunday mornings, when we go to our life groups, when we go to our ministries, when whatever we do, we want people to see what? Just our good side. Just the things that we project on Facebook. You know, just the things that we want people to think about us, right? Us without flaws. When we come to church, that's what we want to show. And that's the expectation that we think others have of us. When really, when real community, 
And what God wants to bring about is he wants to bring about this loving community made up of people that, yes, some of us have our act together, some of us are beautiful, some of us are um, eccentric, some of us have our quirks, right? But some of us are coming with, you know, baggage. You know, some of us, just because of who we are, we irritate other people, you know, just by socializing with them. But that's the church. That's the community. And, and this is hard. Once again, this is hard. Community isn't easy. And though, however, when we take a look at those kind of community, it's all about individuals living life together, right? And experiencing whatever they have to experience and helping each other through this. Well, you know, that's a part of what we want to be at Mission Valley, that type of community, Right? But there's another type of community, and you know this one was coming. If you go to the next slide, The Lord of the Rings, right? My favorite trilogy of all time. Now, this was the Fellowship of the Ring, right? This is where you brought together humans. You brought together a wizard. You brought together dwarves. You brought together elves and hobbits. Hobbits are those little guys right there, you know? But you brought them all together, They're all different. Dwarves hated elves. You know, they all were suspicious. Some of them were suspicious of wizards. Nobody knew what a hobbit was because they they lived their lives isolated of one another. But they were brought together, and they lived in community. But they lived in community for a purpose. Their community um, that was brought together was to do what? Destroy the ring. The one ring that ruled them all, right? And so, yes, they were brought together as a community, but they were brought together as as a community for a purpose. And to me, this is what Christian community is all about, where we're not just about coming together and living with each other and saying, oh, you had this problem this week, or, you know, I, I can't, my spouse did this. Could you pray for my spouse? Or at work, I had this problem. And yes, we want to talk about it. Yes, we want to journey through life together. Yes, we want to have fun together. But we can't forget that we are the Lord of the Rings community that we have been brought together for a purpose, okay? And so our vision statement is being a loving community that invites and challenges people to live like Christ. And this is what we were brought together. We have a purpose. It's not just to be a loving community and that's it. Right? No, there's more to that because we believe that God wants to do something through us as individuals and corporately. And so what is Christian community? Christian community is made up of those who have the desire and commitment to grow as disciples of Jesus Christ. And this is why we really exist, to help each other grow to help one another grow as disciples of Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk about this and in future sermons to make disciples of Jesus Christ. But the key two words here are are those who have the desire, because you you have to want to be a part of our community that has a goal. But also you have to be committed, because we can't reach our goal with people who are not committed, right? Right? And so for those of us who are here, you know, it's important that we have the desire and the commitment 
to grow as disciples of Jesus Christ. And now we're going to look at uh, an example that I'm sure we're all familiar with, and that is the uh, church that's described in Acts 2. You know, I've spoken about this before, and so probably think, okay, this is review. But you know what? I pray that even though we've talked about this before, you could glean something from this, right? Because this is God's word. It's living. And, and maybe you know this story, but maybe some of the applications might be different. The way you apply it in your life might be different. So don't, please don't check out just because, oh, I've heard this a thousand times, okay? So Acts 2, starting with 40, verse 42, and it says, they, the church, the early church, the first church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. And so we see this as what was going on. The church was just being birthed right now. And so this is, so what was going on that made this church special? Well, the first thing is they were committed to the spiritual growth. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, when they say devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, it wasn't just sitting here and listening to a sermon and say, okay, that's it. No, what they did is they heard and they applied it to their life. You know, I know if any of you have been in, um, you know, Chris Rapp's class, when you talk about faith, the Jewish person always believed that faith was coupled with action, that it was a verb. It was never something that, you know, you just said, okay, yeah, I believe that, and that, that's it. It was always coupled with action. So we know that they were hearing the word because they were pretty much all new believers, right? But they were also applying it to their lives. And that's so important because we are not supposed to be just hearers of the word, right? When we took James, what are we supposed to do? Well, he wants us to be doer. God wants to be us to be doers of the word. So we got to do both. But they were committed to one another. They were committed to one another. They were saying, you know what? I'm here for you. If you need anything, I'm, whatever it is, I'll help you. I'm committed by just being here. You know, okay, yeah, I've, I've got a Dodger game coming up, and I've got several. But you know what? I've been to a lot of games, and I've missed the church for a while. I'm, I'm, no, I'm committed to here. I'm committed to you guys, right? And so that's so important. They were committed to one another. They observed communion, which they were saying the breaking of the bread. And they had communion every single day. Now, you feel, why are they having, you know, we do it here once a month. Why do they, why are they doing communion every single day? Well, what's communion for? Well, Christ um, gave the institution of communion to what? to remind us of the sacrifice that he made for us, the love that he showed by going to the cross and the forgiveness of our sins, right? And so here you have a brand new community, a Jewish community coming together, right? And how do they receive forgiveness of sins? Well, through sacrifices, right? They had to go to the temple and they had to offer a sacrifice. But now Jesus was a sacrifice. And so for them, this is, wait, we just, I'm forgiven? You know, I don't have to make a sacrifice. You know, Jesus' death, for, you know, forgave all of our sins. And so as they struggled every single day, as they were making mistakes every single day, what a privilege it was for them to come and have communion, to be reminded every single day of God's love, his forgiveness, and his mercy. And that's just why they had it. 
It's like when somebody comes, it'd be like if I came to a meeting and said, oh, man, I messed up. You know, I said some things to my wife that I shouldn't have said. You know, I've, you know I, I did all of this. And can you imagine every day just going to a community and having them pray and talk over through that and then say, hey, Dave, remember that, yeah, um, that was wrong, and I hope that, and we'll help you work through that so it, this pattern doesn't keep helping, help, uh, you know, happening. But, you know, Jesus forgives you. You know, you, you cast that burden onto him. You don't have to carry that anymore. Wouldn't that be kind of cool if you, they did that every single day? And this is what they did. They had communion every single day to remind them of the love, mercy, and forgiveness of Christ. And then finally, they prayed. They prayed every single day. Now you say, well, what's the big deal with that? Well, you have to realize back then, this is a new uh, Jewish, this is a, all the, the early church was made up of a lot of Jewish individuals. And how did they communicate with God in the Old Testament? Well, number one, only the high priest was allowed to go into the holies of holies where God uh, resided, right? <laughs> that was once a year. But then who did God talk to? God just talked, God spoke through what? Whom? The prophets? And through certain individuals. The people did not have daily access to God. But now through prayer, that veil was torn, and they had daily access to God, which for them, it was just, you know, blew their mind, because they never had that before. But that's something that I think we, who grew up with it, just take that for granted, right? That, ah, it's not a big deal. If, you know what? If I don't pray to God today, I'll get to it tomorrow. But for them, this was new. This was exciting that we get to talk to the Almighty God whenever we want to. And he talks to us, not just the high priest, not just to the prophets. They were excited about that, and they did that every single Day. And so, you know, once again, as, as when we take a look at this, this isn't a model for us to literally follow, right? This is a template because back then, if you take a look at the circumstances that brought them together, was very different than the circumstances we live in today. But it goes on in verse 43. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. The apostles were doing these miracles, and the people were going, wow! You know, they sensed the power of God. They could see the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is why I get so excited when recently we've had visitors and, you know, they've talked to you and then you've reported to me that the thing that they say about Mission Valley is they can feel the presence of God here. That they can sense the presence, that the Holy Spirit is working pretty powerfully here at Mission Valley. Well, that's what this is. They're coming and they're saying, hey, something's going on there. And it has nothing to do with us and our gifts and our abilities, but it has everything to do with what? Yielding to the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to work. It's hearing God's word and it's also doing God's word where people are noticing that. And and so praise God for that. But it says all believers were together and had everything in common. And this is where the church has made a lot of mistakes in trying to replicate this first century church. When they said, hmm, all believers were together. So what does that mean? We have to live together as a group. Right? 
Oh, we everything's being shared, right? And basically, a lot of churches have had to tr- have done this before. And unfortunately, one of my past pastors was involved with starting one of these, but it ended up to be a cult and a commune. Because this is not what we are talking about here. What happened here is remember that um, the Jewish people were on a pilgrimage because Pentecost. And Peter gets up and he preaches the gospel message. And thousands of people come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So now you've got thousands of people here that are trying to figure out, okay, what do we do next? How do we disciple them? So the apostles are teaching them. And so the reason they were there is they had just found out about who this Jesus Christ was. They had just accepted uh, um, the, the gospel message, and so now they're being taught. But a lot of them were on pilgrimages from different places around the area. They had no place to stay, right? And a lo- in this early Christian church, they were poor. Okay, the majority of this, the people that came to these churches, they were poor. And so what happened? Other believers, excuse me, put them up in their homes. You know, it's like, okay, you're from over, you're, you're, you're from... I don't know, Washington, and we're having this gospel thing. It's going on in L.A. Hey, why don't you stay at my house? Because you've got to remember, they didn't have motels, you know, big motels like the Hiltons and all of them, you know, back then. So people were just staying at each other's house. They were being fed. But then a lot of these um, people, or Jewish people, who accepted the gospel message, they lost their jobs, Right? They were being persecuted. So what happened is they took them in and they, they helped them. And so this is what was going on. It's not a template for us to, okay, let's find one big apartment and let's all move in together. You know, let's share it. Let's, let's share it. That's not what this is. Right? But you could just show you know, the, um, what was going on. And the Christian uh, community, they were unified in purpose. And they were generous one to get one generous to one another. It says all the believers were together. It wasn't just together f- physically. It was together, you know, mentally. Where okay, we have just found out. We have just accepted this gospel message. Where do we go? And so they all say, "Okay, I've got to learn. I've got to grow." Right? And then you have the apostles who are saying, you know what, we got to teach these people. We got to raise leaders to teach these people. So they were all together in what? This is what we have to do. Right? No, it's not, it was like, oh, I want to do this, I want to do that. No, it was they were all together and they were all generous to one another. It says they sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And once again, you have to realize that people were on a pilgrimage. They were from different regions, and a lot of them were poor, and so they needed help. And so what people did is they had some of their possessions, and they sold it so they could have money to help these um, new believers. And then in verse 46, and they continued to meet together in the temple courts, and they brought bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Well, the Christian community meets frequently and shares meals together. So we see that they met every day. They met frequently, right? And and that's important for us because some people may say, well, you know what? I'll just come on Sunday and that's good enough. Well, it's not really good enough, 
right? Because here, you know, you come and do you experience community? Maybe, maybe not. You come and be, we basically share what went on in our week, or we might be, we might share what went on in the sports world. You know, hey, USC won, and hey, UCLA's a real deal this year, right? And it's going to be a real good rivalry this year. We might come to church and we might talk about that, right? But it's in these communities where, since they met frequently, when things happen, this is when you were dealing with, this is where um, they were able to deal with it. And so many times, and I know you've heard me say this before, but, you know, so many couples and so many people and families say, you know what, we want to focus on quality time, right, quality time. Well, guess what, you can't plan quality time. How many of us have trying to do that? We'll say, honey, we're going to go out together and we're going to have quality time. And then something happens, somebody cuts me off on the freeway, I get angry, and the whole period is just messed up. Why? Because I'm angry. And then, no, we're supposed to have quality time, and try to have quality time when you're angry, right? And, you know, or parents, right, family, hey, we're going to go out, we're going to have quality time with our family. Doesn't work that way. You cannot plan quality time. Quality time arrives out of what? Quantity of time. Right? So basically, what you're saying is you just spend time together and stuff happens. And when stuff happens, that is the catalyst for quality time. So, families, what does that mean? Just spend more time together. Sometimes you have quality time, and maybe sometimes you don't. You know, the best times that I've had with Michael, you know, raising him, it was out of quality of time. You know, because when he was young, one of the things that we used to do every Wednesday night is we would go to Cairo Nursing Home. I would take him there ever since he was a little kid because I wanted him to see what it meant to serve people, right? And when he first got there, he was kind of afraid, right? Because he would see people in wheelchairs. He wasn't new, you know, that was new to him. And, you know, when people get older, you know, they, they just look different than, you know, he, me, and then he's going, whoa, what's all of this? And so he was afraid, right? But then as he grew older, um, guess what? You know, he became more accustomed to serving people. But you know what we did every, uh, after every, uh, on Wednesday night when we went to Cairo? We went to Tui's afterwards. That was our thing. It was Cairo, then we went to Tui's. And sometimes I think he joined me in Carol at Cairo just so he, we could have dinner at Tui's, right? And we'd go so often, the uh, waitress we would get, she already knew his order, so she didn't even have to ask him what he wanted. But you know what? It was during those times when we were able to talk about stuff. When something happened at school that day, and he said, Dad, you know what? This happened at school. And I was able to talk to him about that, right? It didn't happen because I planned that time and said, okay, Michael, now's the time. Talk to me. Spill your guts. <laughs> no. It was at Tui's where we were there every Wednesday night. And when something happened, we were able to talk about it, right? This is why frequency is so important, right? And do your best to be a part of that. And there was both formal and informal. The formal were the temple court where they met, right? Informal was eating at home. And, you know, one um, Christian commentator said this, the meetings of the apostolic church were shared meals. It's not that they sometimes had a church lunch or what they had, or they had some food before or after their meetings. 
their meetings were meals. Wouldn't that be cool? Right? Every single meeting you have, it wasn't like, okay, who's bringing the snacks? Okay, Dave, you bring the snacks this week. No, it was that they were meals. You didn't worry about who was bringing the snacks because every meeting or every gathering was a meal. And this other commentator says this, General, generous hospitality leads to reconciliation. It expresses forgiveness. Unresolved conflict can't be ignored, ignored when we gather around the meal table. You can't eat in silence without realizing there's an issue to address. How many of us have been there? We're sitting around the dinner table and all of a sudden what? Your spouse is quiet. Maybe your child's quiet. You can't ignore that. The silence is deafening. Now, in our home, if, like, I'm watching the Laker game and my wife is doing something else, it's easily ignored. It can't be ignored at the dinner table. And this is one of my favorite shows um, uh, today. And if you what do you know what this is? This is Blue Bloods. And this is a story about... Four generations of New York police officers, right? And, of course, you see Tom Selleck. He's a New York um, Police Department commission, uh, commissioner. And the guy at the end, his father, was a commissioner. And their sons are police officers. But every single episode, and they've been on for 13 years, you have what? Sunday dinner where they all gather around the dinner table. No matter what they're doing on Sunday, they all realize that, hey, you better place a priority on Sunday dinner. But have you ever noticed the conversations that they have? It wasn't, hey, how's your day going? Somebody's silent, right? And they're just shuffling around the food. Hey, what's up with you? You know, what's wrong? Or they have some pretty heated discussions that, you know, would freak me out if I was married into that, you know, family. And then they start going at each other at the dinner table, right? You know, and of course, Tom Selleck, or he's a mediator beyond all of this. But what? It's a place where you can't hide. If something is bothering you, it's going to be shown and it's going to come out and they're going to talk about it. Well, that's the way it is with Christian community, especially around the table, right? That if something's bothering you, the silence is deafening. It's deafening. And this is why they met around meals. But I think this is what we all understand too. Because don't meals slow things down, right? Don't meals allow us to talk? And, you know, it's sad that a lot of times we don't have meals in homes anymore, Right? We have meals in what they call third spaces. Do you know what a third space is? Well, the home used to be a place where you used to gather right, and have dinner. But now they have these um, third spaces, which are like Starbucks. Right? Well, you could just go where, you know what, I'm kind of embarrassed to invite you over to my house. It kind of looks like a mess. You know, it smells like my dog. You know, and you're going to smell it. It's not going to be comfortable. I'm going to be embarrassed, you know. And so they meet at these other spaces, and at Starbucks, right? But it's hard to have a deep discussion at Starbucks. I mean, I met with Nathan this past week at, what were we at, Pete's? Yeah. yeah, Pete's. And we were just talking, right? And so we were here, Nathan was across from me, and this is one guy was on his computer, and he was like right here. You know, he was like this far from me, us, right? 
No way we would have a private conversation in that. Because, right, he's just, pers- he's just right there. But when we have a meal together in a community, right, we all understand that, hey, we're brothers and sisters. You could let your hair down. We could talk, right? And this is why this is so important, and this is what they understand. And it says, um, verse 47, and they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It says Christian community focuses on both growing and making disciples. Why? Because the Lord was adding to their numbers daily, right? People around them were watching this community. They were saying, wow, look at those guys. They love each other. And back then, they didn't have social security or welfare, right? They didn't have that back then. And it was like when people had need, oh my goodness, so-and-so sold their car so they could give the money to this person to help with the bills. People were watching this. People were watching how happy they were with each other. People were watching the joy that this new Christian community had. And what happened? God added to the numbers, right? Because they realized that they were supposed to make disciples. They didn't just say, hey, sorry, we're full. Sorry, no more room. Sorry, go somewhere else. <laughs> Sorry, we're, we're, a, we're a community here. We don't want you to mess it up, right? We like the chemistry here. You're going to mess the chemistry up here, right? I know you and I know your baggage. Get away. No, they didn't do that. God, they understood. They were all in one mind that they were to do what? Not only grow as disciples, but to make disciples of um, others. I said one of the biggest Um, dangers to Christian community is a constant temptation to focus inwards, both personally and corporately. This is some of the biggest temptations we have or one of the biggest dangers to community. It's like gravity, right? When you jump up, what's gravity going to do? It's always going to pull you down. Gravity is always going to try to focus your attention Inward, You have to be intentional about reaching outward. Why? Because when you focus internally, both personally and um, corporately, that's more comfortable. Hey, we're with the people I know and love. They know me. They won't judge me and vice versa. I feel comfortable with them, right? And it's so tempting for us to want to keep it that way. Gravity will always point us inwards, and this is why we have to be intentional about keeping our focus outward also. That's important, because a lot of times we spend our time and energy focusing inward, right? But we need to be intentional. And finally, It says, living in community results in tremendous joy and praising God. It says, they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. The gladness was just a word that represented joy or rejoicing. So when they got together, being in this community, they could share a meal, they could share their lives, they could share their baggage, they could share their triumph, right, without worrying about what others were going to think about them, and to know that they were going to be supported there, it was, 
it created a sense of joy. And when people started, when they started seeing people coming to Christ, that created great joy. I don't know about you, but one of the um, happiest moments of the most joy you could experience as a believer is when you either lead somebody or help lead somebody to Jesus Christ. There is no better joy than to do that. And that was happening. And so they were just joyful. And this is what we want here. Yeah, it's not easy, but we want joy to be a part of your experience in community. You know, I remember one of my best and favorite ministries was when I was a high school youth advisor, right? And this was back in my old church where there was just six of us. We weren't pastors. We didn't go to seminary. There was just six of us that we got together and, and, you know, I was working full time and I, I was working a lot of overtime, but we had kids come in. They came from Shur, um, Alhambra and Keppel. And, and, you know, it was wonderful because we had advisors. We would meet, you know, once a week to discuss the meetings. And we would, of course, we'd meet over what? There's what we'd meet at um, the, the couple who was the oldest at their home, and they would always have a meal. So we'd be eating over dinner. Then we would meet with the core, the high school core leaders. We'd meet with the individual, um, and then our individual um, youth advisors, right? And we would do that, and it was great. It was fun. But you know what? The kids, they, one time they came up to us and go, to the advisors and said, man, you guys really like each other. And we're going, well, hopefully, yes, you know. But see, they noticed that. They noticed that we were living in community. We had a purpose, and we met together frequently, not only as leaders, but as friends, and they noticed it. They noticed it. And that's what we want here. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that there are not going to be arguments. There are not going to be fights. They're not going to, you know, we're, going to, we're not going to be free from disagreements. But see, those are the things that when you work through them, they help you grow. And this is what we want. So when we talk about community, and I pray, I pray that yes, it's hard, just like loving is hard, but because we will be focused on growing disciples to help you live like Jesus and to be making disciples, that there would be great joy in your life. That when you're in community, it doesn't matter what you're carrying. That, hey, we're here for you. We're going to help you. We're not going to judge you. You know, that's what we want. And, you know, when you have your successes, hey, we want to be cheering for you. You know, we want to be cheering for you. But that's what Christian community is. So what's a weekly challenge? A weekly challenge is I'd like us to read Acts 2, 42 through 47, and ask yourself, how engaged are you with the community here at Mission Valley? How engaged are you? Because part of the early church, they were what? They were devoted to each other. They were devoted to the community. There were no people just sitting on the sidelines. They were all involved. And, you know, we need all of you, you know, involved, you know, here. And it says, you know, and if you, 
Because oh, you all have gifts. You know, Nathan said the announcements today. He hates giving announcements, right? He said, I'm horrible at it. Was he horrible? He was great, wasn't he? Yeah. And so it took us so long to get him. Well, actually, he did announcements today because no one else could do it. But that's beside, the, that's beside the point. But he was good. We want to encourage him. Right? And when he first did it, I go, why do you think you are so terrible at this? You are good. You know? And so this is what we want. And so someone of you, you you might be afraid of jumping into ministry because I can't do it. Hey, we're we're here to support you. Right? Hey, you make a mistake, you fall in your face. Hey, that's okay. We're going to help you um, pick you up and say, hey, let's try it again. Right? But see, that's what it is. So if you're not a part, be a part of um, the community here. And if you are not connected with, with the community at Mission Valley, ask the staff or the leaders to find out how you could be vo- become involved in the life of our church. Now get it. Now we kind of assess who you are spiritually. So if you're just new to the faith, we're not going to say, oh, by the way, can you be the chairman of the board? We're not going to do that. You know, we're not going to, hey, can you lead a life group? Well, I, 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 just, I just got baptized. I just found out. We're not going to do that. Okay, what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at where you are. We're going to take a look at your gifts and your passions and your dreams because God brought all of you here for a re- reason. And then we'll, you know, place you in a place where you could get connected and we'll help you. So if you could do those things, you know. I think this is where we're really going to start seeing all of our cylinders start firing. And so, Nathan, could you come up and uh, lead us in worship? And uh, would you please join us in prayer? Uh, Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the example of the early church. We thank you that they were a place that reflected a community that was made of people who had their act together, people with idiosyncrasies, people who had problems socializing with one another and may have gotten on each other's nerves. It was a mixed bag of everybody. But the one common thing that they had was they were there because they were devoted to you. They wanted to grow, and they understood that they needed to make disciples. So right now, I want each one of you to think about, if you're not involved, what's keeping you from being involved? Whether it's here or a parachurch organization or becoming more maybe active, you know, letting people know that you're a believer. What is it? What baggage are you carrying right now that you're so afraid that if somebody sees it, you'd be judged and looked at differently? I'd like you to think about that. You know, some of you might be carrying a lot of things right now, and you're carrying it alone, and it's getting heavier, and it's getting heavier. And deep down inside, you wish there was somebody that could help carry that burden for you. And you know that Jesus said he would make it light, and we know that. But Jesus also gave us community, and we are to help one another.
And yes, we make mistakes. And yes, as disciples of Jesus Christ, it is our goal to help each other repent of these things and to change our behavior to reflect one that glorifies God. But in no way were we meant to carry our burdens alone. And so as you take a look at maybe what you're lacking, I pray that you would have the courage to reach out to some of the leaders here. It's, it's not too late to join a life group. You could join a life group to be surrounded with people that would accept you, all parts of you, baggage and all, and who want to help you to grow, to relieve you from behaviors that are destructive, to break that cycle of sin that so many of us struggle with, that that's what we're here for. Father, I thank you so much for the community here at Mission Valley. And we know that community is often said, and it just rolls off our tongue. We say, oh, yeah, community, we live together, and it's great. But, Father, we know community is messy, Christian community is difficult, but it's so worthwhile. And Father, would you use the community here at Mission Valley to change our lives, to enable us to shed destructive behaviors that have been getting in, our, in the way of our relationship with you and others. Father, that you would use the, Christ, the community here at Mission Valley to help us grow in our relationship with you so we could become more like you. And Father, most importantly, so others could see that. So others could see that there's a community that accepts us for who we are. And the joy that we have with being with one another. And Father, may that encourage others to want to be a part of your family. Thank you. In your son's name we pray. Amen.